Thank you, Jesus, for your presence this morning. Is his presence rich? Thank you, God. Lord, we thank you that you are teaching us. You're teaching us, God, your ways. You're teaching us your thoughts. Lord, uh, we will never act like you until we think like you. Lord, thank you for teaching us how you think. Thank you for the gift of repentance, Father, the gift that allows us to come into your ways as we are exposed to greater levels of goodness. That's the only way we come into being more like you is to being exposed by your goodness, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. How many of you guys want to be exposed to more of God's goodness? Amen. You guys ever, uh, you guys ever been inspired to do something? And let's say in a moment, let's say you were exposed to something, and then after that moment, maybe you weren't inspired to do what what inspired you, but that inspiration caused. I will say like a churning in you that caused you to say it caused you to discover something in you like a birthing inside of you. Does that make sense? Has anyone ever experienced inspiration? You you know that how many of you guys know that a family in order to have a healthy family it's it's really a thought of inspiration. Like I, I I remember hearing an argument one time saying we need to we need to have we need families because other religions are getting more people than us and I thought that's not a good reason to have a family that will if you have a family because you're scared of something then those children are going to be raised inside a spirit of fear and they're going to make more they're going to monger more fear because they were birthed out of fear. But a family that is birthed because of love will reproduce love. And that's actually the model God created for us to create families within. And I think when we model love, we, we create an atmosphere of love. Love happens and, and you see more of God's reality around you. Um, today I wanted to talk about uh, something the Holy Spirit has been uh, changing me with daily, and that's forgiveness. Um, the foundation of the kingdom of God is built on forgiveness. It is not something to... Uh, I will. Uh, I don't want to say I wouldn't take it lightly, but I want to. Uh, sometimes you could say I don't want to take it lightly, and what you're meaning is you want to take it seriously. But I want to take forgiveness within the context of it, in the right spirit of forgiveness, um, because um, I think God is going to expand us as people. But He wants to expand us. I, I feel that there's going to be, the expansion is going to come within a, a very healthy environment where forgiveness is the culture. It is the, you know, we talk about a culture of honor, but it, there's this element of forgiveness that surpasses what we think and what our expectations are and things like that. And there's there's even some, I really think that some of you are going to enter into a new reality of forgiveness today that's going to cause you some physical healing that has not taken place up until now. Um, when, uh, uh, let's, let's go ahead and get into Scripture this morning. If you guys don't have your Bibles, we have some Scripture up here, but I, I encourage every mean possible I like audio Bibles. I, I work and I have an awesome job where they let you listen to music and sometimes I'll just turn on the scriptures and, and just listen and you hear stories that you never, you never heard and 
I started studying us and doing some study on forgiveness so I'll share today and and I started hearing some stuff that especially it's cool in the Old Testament when you see grace doing uh, grace really attempting to break through the power of I say this right attempting to break through the power that uh, sin was holding the law captive. You guys know that the law is not, the law was never bad. It was never wrong. But sin took advantage of the law and used your knowledge against you. It, knew, it used your actions against you to where you could not think that you could attain holiness, that you could, that you could be like God. The problem was that it was an illusion and you always were like Him. Just the, that identity with what you did make you feel like you weren't. Get the tape and re-listen to it. It'll make sense, trust me. But I, I wanted to talk about the, the foundation of the kingdom of heaven because He's going to build within us a greater capacity to forgive. Here's a couple things I really felt the Holy Spirit wanted to, to help us with today. And that's forgiving one another, forgiving ourselves. And I've even, I've, there's been even few instances where breakthrough came where people felt the need to forgive maybe misunderstandings of God's will for their life. They didn't, it's, they, they didn't understand Him and they held something against Him because they thought He did something evil. And so, in some cases, they're forgiving, forgiving God. You guys understand that forgiveness is not for the offender, it's for the offendee. It's, it's, it's for the person who received the offense, right? Amen? You guys ever, you guys ever heard of situations where somebody, somebody offended you, and then later on in life, like something, the Holy Spirit fell on you, and you... You forgave that person and maybe you called them up and said, I just, you know, something really bugged me back in the day and you did this to me and I just really, God really just released forgiveness and I wanted to tell you I forgive you and the person would be like, great, that's awesome. Uh, man, I'm so sorry, I didn't even know. You know how many times we offend people and didn't, you know how many times I offend you guys and you have no idea that I offended you, or you have the idea I offended you, but I have no clue. And it's, you know, we're, you guys know we're not going to be judged by our intentions. God's going to go, man, your intentions were good. Man, that's awesome. I, I know your heart. <laughs> God does know our heart. We like to think we know our heart, but a lot of times we are fooled by our intentions. That's why it's so good to have a, a really heightened spirit of discernment. That way you can look past your own judgments and really be introspective to what you feel God's trying to do through you. Because there's so many times I feel like God's trying to do something to me to teach somebody something and He's like, man, you need to be taught. You need to be quiet. And you need to humble yourself. And so when we, are, when we are in a culture of forgiveness, I think we walk in a way differently than we would if maybe we were um, walking in a culture of confidence outside of forgiveness. Because, you know, you could be confident and not walk in humility, and it's just cocky. And sometimes, I'll tell you, I've misjudged people, and I thought they were confident and not humble, but actually they were humble, and I misjudged their humility. And I said, you're just cocky. You have a wrong spirit. Well, actually, I had the wrong spirit. So that's really good to have discernment for that reason. Um, but if you guys wouldn't mind turning in your Bibles to Isaiah, we're going to read Isaiah verse 43, or chapter 43, we're going to read uh, verse 25. The word forgive, actually, it means to bear up. It means to lift, to take or to endure you know, when uh, you think of Old, Old Testament forgiveness, I want to talk about something and just so we can kind of lay some groundwork here. Uh, Old Testament thinking on forgiveness was to remove a separation 
of God and man caused by sin. It was to remove that. In these instances, an act of sacrifice was understood to be needed to appease the coming wrath and to allow the blessing of God to flow. Um, interesting thing about this is that forgiveness in the old cov- uh, in the old covenant, when you did see it, it forgiveness and out throughout the Old Testament, you really didn't talk, you didn't hear about a heaven or hell consequence of forgiveness. It wasn't about heaven or hell. For you receiving you receiving forgiveness from the Lord had little to do with the afterlife. It had to do with the now life. And I think there is a rethinking happening, a good, healthy rethinking happening in the body of Christ where forgiveness is not about your eternal life, it's about your abundant life. See, he came to bring life and life more abundantly. What's the purpose of living an eternal life that's not abundant? You know, it's someone said it's it's not the amount of days you live, but the quality of days you live. Well, we need to be living inside a reality of abundant life that supersedes our need to live long. I, I am not I am not infatuated with my eternal being. That's in His hands. I want to live in the abundant life now because that's in my hands. This is your opportunity to live abundantly. It's His, it's in God's doing that you live eternally. It's in your hands that you live abundantly. Can I hear an amen from someone? We can start the abundant life right now. There's something about response that causes you to uh, reciprocate the life. So what happens when I say, Jonathan, I love you? Oh, man, that's good. But you know what it does? It solidifies what he receives. So come on with some amens this morning, and I love you, and I don't care what it is. I just think that you guys are due for some abundant life. Amen. Jesus' prayer to the disciples was very interesting. Uh, Jesus actually in the prayer, you guys, we say it all the time, and it's so good that we really underst- we understand it, and we uh, honor it, and we intentionalize it, and it becomes a, a part of our daily bread. Like that prayer should actually be a part of the daily bread as we pray it. It's bringing life to us. And, and I remember growing up, my mom would have me say two prayers um, before going to bed, We'd say the Lord's Prayer, and then we'd say our own prayer. And I always liked the Lord's Prayer. Like, I would say my own prayer first because I love the Lord's Prayer. For some reason, it was fun, the whole recital thing. And, and whenever, um, that was just something I learned, but I enjoyed it. But now it's on a different level of enjoyment. And we're going to read some of Old Testament, but before I do, I want to give you something here, just a kind of a teaser. And it says this, it says... Um, our Father who art in heaven, holy or hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors or as we forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Then it says this, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I want you to read with me Isaiah chapter 43 verse 25 says, This is God speaking, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Wait, for whose sake? For his sake. Interesting. And remembers your sins no more. Review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together. State the cause. State the case for your innocence. Everyone say, I'm innocent. Let's read this again. This is interesting. 
I, even I, I'm going to read this version. Oh, wait. Uh, Isaiah 43, you got, is that verse uh, 25 up there? Okay, sorry, there it is. For, for, I, I, even I, he am he who blots out your transgressions for my sake. Why do you think he does it for, your, uh, for his sake and not your sake? Relationship. Man, he's a good dad. He does it for his sake. See, we always thought it was about us, but you know what? He's doing it for his sake. You know how it's important for you to blot out your neighbor's transgressions? Is it for them? Nope. For you. And I will remember your and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case. It says that you may be acquitted. My, my version here says, prove your innocence. Prove it. Because he's trying to prove it too. It makes no sense when we try to superimpose an identity of guilt on the world that Christ has forgiven and here is God himself in the Old Covenant saying, prove your innocence. And he's actually inviting you. This is an invitation. The law really didn't... What sin did was took the law and used it against you. But even in the Old Testament, grace right here is saying, I'm doing it for my sake. I blot out your transgressions for my sake. That's good. That's pretty awesome, actually. Think about that. And what I want you to do is internalize the perfection of who he is. And, I, and I, here's another thing. What kind of God gives, what kind of God, what kind of father empowers his children with something less great than what he attains? God will always as a good father, always gives you better than what... He, he is storing it up so you have the next and greater. And it's, it's even demonstrated in Jesus. It's funny. You know, it makes sense. It started to make sense to me, the whole greater works that Jesus prophesied over the disciples. It makes sense. It makes sense when you know how good he is. When, when my, see, I know my dad, and I know that everything that he has facilitated in my life is so that I will go farther than him. He is not my ceiling. He lays a foundation. And so, here in the Old Testament, you see God is laying a foundation for the forgiveness that the coming sons of God would walk in. Amen. All right, let's do this. Let's go to uh, let's go to Isaiah. We're going to go chapter one, verse eighteen. It says this: Isaiah, verse one, chapter one, verse eighteen says, "Come now, let us settle the matter," says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Now, you know, wool actually symbolized the finest material of apparel for the Jews. That was, that was the, you know, cashmere for them. That was, the, that was the nice stuff. Now, this is cool. I don't know if you guys know this, but the priests in the Old Testament were forbidden to wear wool. And there's a reason for that. I'll let you guys figure that one out on your own. It's kind of fun. It says this, also wool, uh, wool dyed scarlet um, with corms that was used in the blood-covered covenant ceremony. It was, you know, you would, um, you'd bring the wool and it was supposed to be blood-covered in, in uh, sacrificial ceremonies. And that's what that verse is referring to. I think that when we, when we learn about the perfection of what he's giving us, you guys, I want to see the body of Christ begin to lay perfection on those who feel they don't deserve it. We are not to be the ones who, who 
who are casting declarations of the reality of sin, but casting declarations of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? This is good. Forgiveness removes the stigma of powerlessness that sin creates. Psalms 103, verse 12. You guys turn in your Bibles to one more verse. You guys know this one. This is fun. This is one that this was one that our uh, youth group growing up, we, uh, we just laid a hold of this verse, and it was a cultural, just a big part of our culture growing up here at New Life with uh, my youth pastor. Psalms 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Far as the east is from the west, and this is the way my youth pastor Damien used to put it. He used to say, "You guys know how far the east is from the west. Do you understand how far that is? Like there isn't some place in the world where you go and you pull up and go, where am I?'" And they go, "Well, this is where the east and west meet. There is no place on the earth where the east and west they meet. That is how far is your sins are from you." That's amazing. Now, I, here's what I want to do. I want to impugn righteousness on you. I want you to be convinced of your flawlessness, of your perfection, of your forgiveness. Because you can only give what you think you've received. So, the, that is how far is your transgressions are for you. And guess what? He removed them. God removed your transgressions. He did it. Now, are you guys ready for some fun New Testament reality? See, here's the cool thing. In the Old Testament, the sacrifice was a part to play, but it was because of our perception of who he was. That was our part to play. It was Adam who covered himself because he perceived his own nakedness. And God revealed Who's telling you you're naked? Who told you that? It was, we, we had the problem with how we saw ourselves. God never had a problem with how he created us. Now, he didn't create us. He didn't create us with sin. He created us perfect. But how we see things, guys, is really important. Because what, how we see things will create a, um, a process by which we think we can fix the problem. But the, so a lot of times the problem is how we view the problem. Oh boy. Here we go. This is, um, see, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, you needed forgiveness from God. You needed this to and what that did is when you threw the sacrifice and uh, it was given, you brought your favorite animal, spotless, and you killed it, there was an, a, there was an appeasement and the word atonement. You guys, you guys have heard us talk about the word atonement. And the, the word atonement is, was meant to be a, a blood covering. And what it was meant to do was to cover your mind. It was to take your mind off of your sin. That was, that was what it was meant to do. Atonement was to take your mind off of the wrong things you did wrong. That was God's way of saying, Adam, where's your sin? Adam, wh why, why, are you, why do you think you're naked? He's trying to remove this veil that has been put. So there's this blood veil. There's this covering, totally covering. And Jesus, the once and for all sacrifice, is proving to God's people that Look, there is no greater sacrifice. This is it. This is like you never need to do another sacrifice for the rest of your existence because for once and for all, the veil is we see who we are because we see who Jesus is and it's done and it's finished, all those things. And the enemy has done his best to reintroduce a new veil. That is what we fight today. We fight against the, uh, those things that come against the knowledge of God. 
that would exalt themselves against the knowledge. Once we, once we see the knowledge of God, we're convinced of our innocence. There's, there's, there's been some dumb thinking that thought that we are born sinners, and we're not. We're not born sinners. We're convinced of our sin later on in life. And then we need to be saved from that. But actually, we need to be saved from that thinking. Because that, if you think about it, if you're born a sinner, then every baby that's born is born a sinner. But no one in here would attest that a baby dying at childbirth is going to be judged inaccurately. You're actually born perfect. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your soul. You have to be taught that you're guilty. One thing that I, we are really working on with Reagan is we are trying, and it's difficult, it's not easy, but it's difficult to uh, be in a mode of correction that uh, when you want to correct your child, but you are trying to make sure that they don't attain an identity of guilt or shame. You know, I'm going to correct you, but nothing, my correction has every, everything aside from correction we are together and we are one and you are a part of me. There's nothing you can do that will separate me from me or my love. I still need to correct you, but that's because you are being molded and you are being shaped and you are amazing and I was shaped and I was molded and I appreciate it and I love it and I needed it and I'm shaping you, but that has nothing to do with punishment. It has everything to do with building the relationship. And so that's, that is not easy, especially when it's been so uh, that uh, correction uh, can be done in the wrong spirit. Guilty. But God forgives me, and I realize that that happening is not who I am. In that moment, he changes me and says, David, let me show you who you are as a dad. And it refreshes my mind, and it brings me up, and that identity ends up working itself out of me because I disbelieve the guilt that the enemy would try to convince me of saying, you fathered wrong. That's not my identity, and it is removed from my system. Amen? Do not let the enemy hold you captive to dumb things that you did that weren't you. Because it wasn't you. It was, a, it was mindless, and luckily God renews your mind, and when you do things in his spirit, it's your mind full. You, you are listening to the spirit of God that has actually the best interest for everyone in mind. And a lot of times you don't understand the process. You just submit yourself to his leading, whether it be through the Holy Spirit, excuse me, speaking to you, through the elders of a church, to your mom, to your dad, to people in authority over your life that he has placed. Amen? All right, so check this out. This is, uh, this is Matthew chapter 6. This is verse 14. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 says, you guys ready for this? It says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, an interesting Interesting little switch on an Old Testament thought process of forgiveness versus an old uh, versus a New Testament. Just a, it's kind of a cool switch. There isn't too much deep thinking here, but see, in the Old Testament, you were constantly looking for forgiveness from God. You you didn't look to forgive other people. You looked to receive it because you needed it. Here's the interesting. Now, you guys see the switch? On this side, you're, never, you're not looking for it right here. In order for you to get it here, you give it here. Do you want to receive forgiveness? Give it. In the very moment, see, this is what God likes to do. God likes to sh put stuff in your hand right as you give it away. And he will not give it to you until he sees it coming out of your hand. <laughs> that's, that's crazy and that's scary. But it makes you put all your trust in what he's doing. 
sometimes sometimes we I see people in the body of Christ they're asking for they they're asking for trust and then they're asking for understanding but sometimes you get one and not the other sometimes God sometimes God invites you into trust and he doesn't and he withholds understanding from you because it's through trust that he builds the testimony in you to understand you need to trust him more and sometimes we want understanding because we like process we like familiarity we like to know ah oh, that's what God's up to but a lot of time God hides stuff from us because he's building within us the capacity to trust more you know when we're talking about forgiveness I, I, I know that God is starting to bring the Holy Spirit he's starting to talk about people in your life that you need to forgive because he did it to me he will bring up people maybe it's you maybe it's your parent maybe it's a friend and there's something that sometimes our memories replay an event or an instance or something like that and we don't realize it but that's actually the Holy Spirit speaking to our spirit saying there's something here that is keeping you from going farther and it just kind of percolates it just kind of sits there and there is a need for closure right there as a matter of fact a lot of uh, I'll bring that up later but there's some interesting things that happen with with in the context of forgiveness now let's go to first uh, John 1 9 if uh, you guys have heard this um, I wish I can actually I'm gonna actually read a little bit more uh, go ahead and go to first John 1 1 can you bring first John 1 what up for me I want to read a little bit more before this because I want to give a context to what uh, John the Revelator is talking about here um, the uh, the group of people that first John is talking to here were people who did not believe that Christ had come in the flesh but he came in the spirit so they had a, this kind of like form uh, of uh, I forgot the term for it but the, you know when you come in the flesh when truth comes in the flesh or it came by the spirit they didn't believe that Jesus came in the, in the flesh they believed that it was just a spirit they didn't see him but John was like hey like we were with him and so go ahead and put up first John 1 1 um, okay there it is uh, that which was from the beginning we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life so you can guys you can guys see why John is prefacing it with this because he's trying to let the the group of people that love the Lord and believe he came in the spirit but they didn't believe he really he didn't really come in the flesh see it's kind of like oh, I won't go there so um, but it says the life that was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father was manifested to us keep going that which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son Jesus Christ no so what's the purpose of this what is the purpose of this letter fellowship everybody say fellowship how you view your relationships around you will determine the ceiling by which you experience the Father this is why when we have communion we're like look Paul's like hey if you have problems with your brother go take care of it because if you if you think that you can have communion with the Father and have bad relationships around you you're cursed like you have some wrong thinking that you're gonna have to get out of you that's what this is about this is about fellowship and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son Jesus Christ let's go to the next one listen to this and these things we write to you that your joy may be full keep going this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all keep going if we say 
If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Stop right there. We'll go back. Go back to that. Listen to this. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then what happens? We have fellowship with one another. Then what happens? And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin. But what happens first? We walk in the light as he is in the light. As we, as we see clearly, we, we see clearly, we see, we see who we are because we see Jesus. We see that. And then, as we see each other, as we see Jesus, well, we have fellowship with one another. Then what happens when we have fellowship with one another? Cleanses us from all sin. See, one of the reasons the Pharisees and the Sadducees really had a hard time with the communion Jesus would have, I don't mean, I mean the act of community and the act of fellowshipping with sinners is because they, they still had an old version. They thought, man, you got to go to the Father, but Jesus is saying, I'm bringing a shift. You want forgiveness for your sins? Have fellowship. Here he says, have fellowship with one another. See, you know how important it is, and I gotta, I gotta be honest with you, and Kim's really helped me with this, but as much as I know that there are issues within the body of Christ, I have to be very careful that I don't curse my own body. Everyone in here can have an issue with some section or some denomination or some whatever. And you, may, you might have come to this church because you had a problem with something else. You know how it's important that you release that offense? You will not grow any farther than when you left if you don't leave it. And as a matter of fact, you have stifled your growth and you will receive the life that you have been wanting when you release the offense that you, you think you've been held, holding someone else hostage, but you yourself have been held hostage. And the Holy Spirit is calling for you to leave that. Leave it. Get rid of it. Forgive. Give it as a gift that you feel they don't deserve, and you will, for, you will by faith receive that which you're giving. And God is, and it is, it would be stupid. That's what Paul's saying. It's stupid for you to think you can have fellowship with God and not have fellowship with man around you. If you think that, you're cursed. You have a mindset that is gripped, that is stuck, and you have empowered the enemy. You have a stronghold that will have to be broken. But the thing that will break it is by releasing forgiveness in your life. Do you want revival around you? Do, you? do you want the blessing of God? Look, it's stop coming to God and start giving God. You want to see that release of heaven on your life. You can't hold anything back. You have to give everything out. Guys, this is a cross worth bearing. It's, very, it's, it's, uh, it's easy if you know who he is. It's not, it's not easy if you are not convinced. You don't have to convince me to love my wife. It's the most natural thing for me to do. You don't, I don't, I, I, when you are walking in the love of God, it's forgiving others is the most natural thing for you to do. As a matter of fact, for me to be against you is for me to be against myself. 
it's you know there's there's so many there's so many movements and we talk about there's so much pol- uh, polarizing taking sides and and I I think that God is going to just remove this he's going to he's going to give us identity that's going to just it's going to wipe away the lie of our differences and he's going to show us that we are all in the belly of God God is in all and through all and he is doing something that is, that's what really Jesus came to do Jews had a really hard time with it back in the day um, but here let's keep going um, if we say that we have no sin now you guys know the sin sin I want you to think of the word error remember Jesus revealed sin is taking place in the mind and this is in context with the fellowship remember this is this is talking about fellowship here actually go to go to the verse before so we can read in context we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin keep going if we say that we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us keep going if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we say we have not sinned we make him a liar and his word is not in us I want to I want to convince you guys I, I I have erred on this I have erred in fellowship and I have believed in walls that Jesus came to break down and since then I have confessed those sins and he has forgiven me but do you know part of me receiving that forgiveness the context of that forgiveness that sin that he's talking about is releasing forgiveness you guys ever have you ever have you ever given forgiveness to someone and they received it and you've gained a brother and there's this man this offense has been worked out and you're like man wow that was it might not have been easy but it was worth it you guys ever done that you ever experienced overcoming that thing that you felt was so big and it might have been big but now there's this release and it's like wow things are things are really good and you're living you're living in a presence of peace do you, i want to tell you guys that i don't i don't fear having differences with you i fear not walking in abundant life because i allow those things to become bigger than the grace i'm supposed to walk in and so there's a lot of times uh, we in the it, in me in my life, it's easy to have a relationship that you only allow to go so far because you're scared of what will happen upon an offense. Will I rise to the occasion? And I think I think we need to really receive that. We need to receive the reality of being offended with one another and overcoming that offense. Amen. What if, what if the problem that you have with the person has little to do with the issue and whether or not you can overcome that stumbling block and enter into a greater level of offense with that person? You know, um, uh, every uh, John and Dad and I we have differing opinions on quite a few things. And when I um, when they were bringing me in as an elder, I said, "You guys know how much you know how much I will." I do not think the same way you guys do and I'm not going to do stuff different or I'm not going to think different just because but they were like we want we want to be able to overcome if you have a ton of people only think one way then you're going to have a major blind side and so that takes a lot of courage to enter into deeper levels of fellowship with people that you don't see eye to eye on but the cool thing about it is is you're walking in forgiveness because you've received it because you're giving it on such a level that it diffuses every wall the enemy comes against you with he cannot win because you know you have empowered forgiveness to such a to such a place where things don't come and things don't stand against you because you're living and walking like Jesus did and you're not allowing uh, uh, situations to hold you at bay with relationship with people and as you do that you're inviting relationship with the father in to your life and there's just abundant life
Amen? All right. I'm almost done. Mark 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 25 says this. It says, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father may forgive you your sins. This is a, it's, it's something that we see, guys. It's, forgiveness is, is a releasing of your life. It's what happens, I mean, if you don't mind in your imagination real quick, what happens when the immediate response in your life is forgiveness? What happens? Just, yeah, go down that road. What happens when you get fired? Because somebody lied about you. And you didn't get a chance to defend yourself. And you forgive. What does that look like for you? What happens when you are constantly brought up of a divorce where a, a guy cheated, your old husband cheated on you, and you release forgiveness. As a matter of fact, you you defend his innocence. What happens to you when love is unconditional throwing out of you? Like, go down that road and if I could just invite you to see what happens on the other end of these imaginary scenarios. What ends up happening to you? What ends up happening to your life? And I want you just to, I want to challenge you. I've been, I've been having so many scenarios and it's like almost that the Holy Spirit started me down this road and he starts saying, what happens if that person does that to you? What are you going to do? What does forgiveness look like? And there's so many, I'm like, man, that, at first it was really difficult, but then the more I thought about it and the more I felt life flowing out of me, the more I couldn't contain the life flowing in me. And it's like, it's so freeing. There's so much eternal life when you don't allow someone to take it from you. It's, the Holy Spirit flowing through you. And for some, it will be offensive. And for me, it was offensive. It was very offensive. I want to show you guys a video clip. And uh, it, it, really, it really worked me over. And uh, I want to just challenge you to up our level of output of forgiveness. Okay? November 5, 2003, all doubt of Ridgway's guilt was erased. He pleaded guilty to the murders of 48 women. He'd made a deal to cooperate with the prosecution to provide more information on his victims and the whereabouts of their remains. In doing so, he avoided a trial and possible death penalty. Mr. Ridgway, how do you plead to the charge of aggravated murder in the first degree as charged in count one for the death of Wendy Lee Caulfield? Guilty. How do you plead to the charge of aggravated murder in the first degree as charged in count two? Guilty. 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 It's like he didn't have any remorse at all for what he had done. You know, he killed so many people, he didn't remember who they were, what they looked like. I just couldn't believe that somebody could kill all those people and not remember them. Neither could the angry relatives of his victims, who were invited to speak in court when Ridgway was sentenced to life without parole on December 18, 2003. You had said your memory, when it comes to all of the women you took, was gone. Our memory is not. In your words, you said that 
they didn't mean anything to you, but she meant everything to us. She was a mother, she was a wife, she was a sister, and we miss her. Gary Ridgway sat there stone-faced as victims' relatives damned him and mocked him. He's an animal. I wish for him to have a long, suffering, cruel death. He's gonna go to hell and that's where he belongs. But then the emotionless facade finally cracked when the father of one of his victims morning, appeared to surprise him with a dose of human kindness. Mr. Ridgway, um, there are people here that hate you. I'm not one of them. You've, you've made it difficult to live up to what I believe and it is what God says to do, and that's to forgive. You are forgiven, sir. only want certain levels and God really challenged me and there are some things that I had to lay down in order to come into the level of, of life that he's leading me into and so I want to I want to ask you what kind of what kind of life do you want to kind of abundant life what level of abundant life that he provides do you want to live in? I, uh, I want to um, let you know at first it was not easy. But then the more I experienced what I was giving out, the more he gave it. And we guys, uh, and you guys probably saw a lot of people very hurt, very hurt. And a lot of people wanting a very Old Testament version of justice. But you guys know that it says in the New Testament, it says mercy is greater than justice. Mercy is greater than judgment. That's what it says. If you want to see a church of power, Show me a body of forgiveness. And the Holy Spirit is going to start putting in you a greater capacity to distribute the kingdom of heaven because you actually are in so much agreement with who he says and what he sees in humanity rather than what humanity has exposed itself to. It was interesting of all the, you look at all those people, of all the people that expressed their hurt, there is only one person that received healing. Isn't that amazing? It doesn't mean, there's, I think we have to understand the difference between forgiveness and trust. You know, forgiveness is something that you do by the Spirit. The trust is something that happens in the soul. And God, is, God, is going, God can rebuild the soul as he speaks through your spirit to you. And forgiving someone is the first step. And then trust 
you know, actually, if I just encourage you that trust is not a mandate for people in the Word for other people. Actually, the Bible never talks for us about trusting man. It does tell us to forgive them. And don't confuse the two. But I do want to allow you to, I do think the Holy Spirit wants to allow us to, to build this bridge of Jesus to the world through forgiveness. Are you guys doing okay? Amen. Uh, it is such a, it's an honor to move in this. It is, uh, it, like I said, at first it's not easy, but then you start to see how much God puts in you when you give it out. And he wanted to, uh, don't trust me on it, I want to invite you to experience it for yourself. And uh, I had to forgive myself. He, he wanted me to forgive myself a couple years ago, he said, you're still holding stuff against you that I, I don't even know what you're thinking. Like I, he never goes back into the sea of forgetfulness and gets it back out. Amen? Amen. Uh, our, churches, our churches are all around, are really starting to, uh, are, uh, to get a picture of this. And they're distributing so much love to people, and people are receiving it. They really are, and they're they're being changed by love. They're being changed by being convinced that they are forgiven, and that's an amazing ministry to be a part of. The Holy Spirit is the ministry that his only his role is is reconciliation. He's a comforter. He's a teacher. He, you know what he's teaching us. He's teaching us our innocence. He's teaching us our perfection. He's convincing us. That's it's pretty awesome. Uh, it, there's so much hope in that. And my hope stops being conditional to whether or not people receive it or not because it's I determine that. Jesus said to so many, he said, according to your faith, let it be so. And I want my forgiveness to be so outpouring like doesn't mean I get hurt when you step on my toe. It just means, it means I turn the other foot. <laughs> that I'm so free because I don't allow what happens to me dictate what I think about who I am and who you are. I'm free. I'm living life outside of this reality. And it's amazing. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. And... Uh, can we just receive? Can you just lift up your hands? And I think all of us could use some of this, so I'm just going to say, Father, just. Towards others, and even towards my Father in heaven. Jesus. Thank you for peace, God, in our in our dreams, peace in our sleep. I thank you for we prayed earlier this morning, the spirit of wisdom and revelation is being poured out on your people. Lord, I thank you for showing us that we have these this amazing such a, a God-like authority and power to release the kingdom of heaven. Lord, let us, let us understand just what it means to be a conduit of heaven and give it and receive it at the same time. And I thank you, God, for erasing, erasing our debt, just erasing that. You give us a gift of life. Thank you, God, for convincing us by your love, by your goodness. I want you guys to, I want you to practice. I want you just to say, I forgive you. I'll turn to someone next to you and just say, I forgive you. 
And turn to that person and say, no, I forgive you more. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We're going to have a good time tonight in fellowship with one another. Life groups, it's going to be awesome. You guys ready to walk in forgiveness? I want to encourage you and invite you to look for opportunities to forgive this week. Because guess what? Here they come. Amen? Amen. God bless.